has adopted the recreational marijuana regulations before a deadline of February 6th. Uh, This is the result of the recreational weed measure that uh, Amendment 3 to the Constitution approved by 53% of Missouri voters. I think Greene County actually fell pretty close along those those, uh, voting lines as well. Uh, Springfield was required to update its status, or statutes rather, before... The uh, facilities began selling marijuana as early as February 6th. If the council did not approve the ordinance, then the 11 11 current medical facilities in Springfield would be prevented from selling recreational marijuana. And all but one member of the council voted for this. Uh, The sole objection was Councilman Craig Hosmer. And uh, he, among other things, said the proposed regulation would allow the sale of recreational marijuana too close to schools. Amendment 3 requires a 1,000-foot separation between marijuana businesses and any elementary or secondary school, child daycare center, or church, unless local government allows them to be closer, which Springfield's bill would include the full 1,000-foot separation between dispensaries and schools, but it would allow a reduced separation of only 200 feet from daycare centers and churches, which mirrors the city's current policy regarding the medical facilities. Uh, Hosmer introduced a motion to increase the 200-feet requirement for any new recreational marijuana facility to 1,000 feet, but the proposal was shot down without any other council members supporting it. Uh, Hosmer said, quote, I will be voting against this. I think it's a horrible public policy for the city of Springfield to encourage as many recreational marijuana facilities as we can get in the city of Springfield to place them next to our daycare centers, our churches in the city of Springfield. I don't know who's pushing the issue, but this is bad public policy. It's bad for law enforcement. It's bad for communities. It's bad for the city. Councilmember Matt Simpson countered that, well, people voted for this. I said, I think it's important to follow the state constitution and listen to the voters on that. I don't know that that is a counter to the the uh, 200 versus 1,000 feet, but nonetheless. According to Hosmer, allowing the 1,000-foot separation is an option given to municipalities by the constitutional amendment, and that's one that the city should take. Hosmer said, don't say this is what the people accepted because it's not what they voted for. We're putting these things closer to daycare centers than the Constitution requires. We're putting these things closer to churches than the Constitution requires. And and who for? Who are we doing this for? Again, I think this is bad public policy. It doesn't make much sense. And I think we're going to rue the day that we've done this. I agree. I, I find that generally people hide behind. It's what the people wanted. Um, because uh, these people have no trouble going against the will of the people or ignoring the will of the people. It's just when when the people agree with them, they love to, hey, we're just doing the will of the people. I think that we should do that. And as Hosmer noted, and his assessment here is accurate, that 
requiring these recreational marijuana facilities, marijuana facilities to be a thousand feet versus 200 feet. That is not contrary to what people voted for. People did not vote to have them 200 feet from as opposed to a thousand feet from that's That's a dishonest argument. Uh, Andy Lear of the council noted marijuana has been decriminalized. It's allowable. I think we're regulating it in a manner that's responsible in the way the citizens have asked us to do. I will be supporting it again. I, I just I don't know that you can argue the citizens demanded that marijuana facilities be within 200 feet of a daycare as opposed to a thousand. I, I think that's dishonest, but that's my assessment. Hosmer claimed recreational marijuana would increase crime in the city, calling it a gateway drug. SPD officer Stacy Parton joined the council to relay the department's concerns over recreational marijuana. Uh, he reported that there has been no quantifiable uptick in crime from the advent of medical marijuana facilities in Springfield. However, he noted the department is concerned crime could increase from the legal sale of recreational marijuana. So just, you know, I'm somebody, and I'm, I shouldn't have to make these disclosures uh, in order to illustrate or, you know, to, to put out a reasoned argument. But I will. I've ne- I, Marijuana is one of the things that I've never done, and I don't really have any current intent to. Will I one day? I don't know. I can't say that I won't. But th- this is, for me personally, all irrelevant. It's not going to affect my usage because I just don't use it. Never have. Don't have any plans to. When it comes to crime in the city of Springfield, my belief is that throwing marijuana into the mix is not the thing that we need to worry about so much. And I'm not going to claim that it won't this or won't that or so forth. I, I don't happen to believe, and I could be wrong on this. I mean, fully genuine and I say I could be wrong on it but my gut tells me that when it comes to the crime issues that we're facing uh not just across the country but in Springfield that the impact recreational marijuana use being legalized is going to have on it is going to be hardly any at all if if not none and one of the reasons is because People who are likely to commit crimes probably are not concerned with whether or not marijuana is legal. These are individuals that are, I I don't believe you're going to have somebody that's such a law-abiding citizen that they would not have smoked marijuana, but now they will because it's legal, and then that usage by an otherwise law-abiding citizen is going to make them turn to crime. I I just don't believe it. I mean, one could argue potentially that now that people don't have to buy it off the streets but instead can buy it legitimately, they'll have less interaction with people who are committers of crime. I don't know how legit that is, but I I just don't see that occurring. But I also think it's disingenuine, and I I don't understand why there is this insistence on allowing new facilities to open up within 200 feet versus 1,000 feet. Do I think that's going to make a difference? I don't think it's going to make a difference. And, again, maybe it will. To me, any sort of impact that a facility that sells recreational marijuana is going to have on a daycare a thousand feet away i suspect that it's probably going to have that same impact 200 feet away and vice versa so in other words i don't 
I just don't understand that 800-foot difference as making that big of a difference. Not saying it can't. That's just not something that stands out as obvious to me. That being said, also why the insistence on if, – if you are – it's one thing to say we're not going to regulate distance at all. But to say, well, we will regulate distance. 1,000 feet is too much. 200 feet is in line with what the people wanted. That's not accurate. I mean, the, the people never weighed in on that distance component. And so why – there is such an overwhelming insistence on making sure that they can open within 200 feet if you're willing to regulate the distance anyhow. Uh, I, I don't get that either. Ultimately, I don't believe any of that is going to have an impact on the number of people who purchase recreational marijuana. Like I said, I just don't imagine that this is going to have any sort of impact increase or otherwise when it comes to crime, though I could be wrong. I I suppose I you shouldn't assume everyone's like you, but as a law-abiding citizen, somebody who's never... Well, I, I'm not going to start smoking marijuana now because it's legal. I think a lot of people who don't smoke it, they the reasons aren't because it's illegal. But those, if, if I were one of those people, if I was that adherent to the law... That I wanted to smoke it in the past. I had a desire to smoke it in the past, but I did not because I legally could not, and now I can. I don't think I'd be the sort of person that's going to start committing crimes because I'm smoking it. But there are always exceptions. Jason Rima with the latest news update. We're expecting an announcement later today on the future of Hammonds Field. The Springfield Cardinals holding a press conference at 3 o'clock. That's open to the public. Springfield businessman John Q. Hammonds funded the ballpark which opened in 2004. The Cardinals played their first season there starting in 2005. A state house committee in Arkansas has advanced a bill that would ban transgender people in public schools from using the restrooms matching their gender identity. That bill would apply to multi-person restrooms and locker rooms at public schools and charter schools from kindergarten through the 12th grade. Arkansas is one of several states where lawmakers have proposed bathroom bills for schools this year. The new $1.5 billion Kansas City International Airport opens up February 28th. City officials say the opening of the single terminal airport will be on time and on budget. The city broke ground four years ago after a sometimes contentious fight to replace a three-terminal airport that opened in 1972. And roads are still partially to totally covered this morning in areas along and south of Highway 60. More light snow is possible later tonight in Springfield with freezing rain possible in Branson and West Plains. I'm Jason Rima, Springfield's Talk. First alert forecast, partly sunny today with a high of 35, 24 tonight, sunny 44 tomorrow, sunny Friday 39, Saturday mostly sunny with a high of 48. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. Hey, everyone, it's Sarah Myers. Hey. You'll be at our happy hour Friday. Yes, All I right. will, and I will Four be happy. Four to six retro metro. Yeah. You will be happy that during is, not just one but two hours. That's right. You That is a requirement for being there is you have to be happy at happy hour. Happy hour. And if you're not, you yeah, drink, you go. get some one food. One hour. You, it's it's be happy one hour, get another happy hour free. Yeah, there you go. That, I'm not saying free drinks. I hope everyone understands that. It's, <laughs> yes. it's two hours instead of one. It was Yeah. It's being silly. Double, double the happy. Hey, and speaking of things that make me happy, well, 
Beatles Property Maintenance. That makes me happy to know them. Beatles is spelled B-E-A-D-L-E-S. And what do they do? Well, they provide a variety of high-quality property maintenance and repair services. They're locally owned, family owned. Uh, They've been serving the Springfield area for over a decade, and they can help you out with so, so much. Uh, If you have mold issues, they can help you out with that. If you got crawl space repairs that need to be done and you don't want to get down there yourself, don't blame you. But Beatles Property Maintenance, they got team members that can do that for you. Uh, If you're planning on buying or selling your home and you have uh, some things pop up in that inspection phase, Beatles, they can help you out with that as well. Plus, if you've had water leaks that have went left untreated and now you've got some damage, well, they can help you out with that as well. Plus, uh, if you've got a list of honey-do list items, you know, kind of those things that aren't uh, major items that need to be fixed right now. Maybe you want a new ceiling fan or new light fixtures or even a bathroom remodel. Uh, They can help you out with those items as well. So whether you have a big maintenance item that needs to be done or just simple repair, uh, Beatles Property Maintenance, they can help you out. Now you can find all of their contact information housed at ksgf.com under the Sarah's Endorsements tab. You know, it's funny. um, Somebody texted in. I thought it's a really great point here on the American Transmissions Talk and Text Line. We're talking about marijuana and the uh, the um, position that it's a gateway drug. Now, I happen to believe it is for some people, and it's not for others. Um, for example, I think just about any activity, particularly those of an addictive nature for some people, is going to be isolated. And for others, it is going to develop a curiosity slash uh, need for something more of that nature, which leads to seeking more. Um, And it's not just, I mean, you could look at alcohol. Some people are able, you know, they'll drink wine and that's it. They don't, they don't like beer. They they certainly don't want whiskey, but other people, maybe wine is their introduction to alcohol. They like the way that it makes them feel. And so they want to try something else. And then they want to try something that'll get them there faster. And, and it, you know, it just depends on who you are. Gambling. Uh, yeah, I'm somebody that whatever that part of a person that is engaged in gambling, it is totally, completely lost on me. I get bored. It just genuinely has the opposite effect on me. We go to downstream once or twice a year, and I always I'll take like ten bucks and play one of the big Ghostbusters or Golden Girls uh, uh, machines that plays videos and everything, and has the loud noise and the rumbling seats just because I think it's fun. But even with that, as fast as it goes, I'm, I, you know, it just it it bores me. But there are some people their first introduction may be a lottery ticket, and that whatever it is that engages with the brain for them, they need more, and then it's got to be a slot machine, and then. You know, and before you know it, their savings are gone and and there's an addiction there. So in terms of it being a gateway, I think for some people it is. For some people it isn't at all. But someone made a really good point, and and we're talking about the city of Springfield approving what was needed to be approved for these recreational marijuana facilities to open, and the argument that it was going to be a bad thing because it would be a gateway drug. And they said, you know, let me read to you verbatim. I'm not a marijuana user either, but it seems to me that purchasing marijuana from a drug dealer is what might make it a gateway drug. And I think, you know what, that's true. Because now I'm assessing this based off how I see movies and TV shows play out. But I've oftentimes seen it portrayed that somebody finds that, quote, dealer that sells a marijuana. And then it is the introduction by that person that says, hey, are you looking for something else? 
you know, or would you like something a little bit stronger? That that is the vehicle in which people get introduced to something else, while with a legal marijuana facility, when a person goes in, they're not going to be introduced to it in that same manner. Now, that's not to say that you might not have somebody that works there behind the counter and they're selling hard stuff on the side and they'll say, hey, you want something a little harder. Uh, But it's much less likely, I imagine, than somebody who is an illegal drug dealer. I hadn't thought of it. Very good point. Uh, A couple of different stories here. One, and Sarah brought this up, Sims. I don't know how many of you play Sims. Sims, what did that come out? I mean, it's been around for a long while. In the very beginning, it was very, very, very basic. Sim, short for simulation. And you crafted these worlds. Uh, you were a character, and you would build houses, and you would have these tasks to do and so forth, and you'd build relationships. And there's tons of different versions now. And as you can imagine, they, as technology advances and, and just the game has uh, a new version and another new version. You always have to add things to give people reason to buy the new version. They've gotten so much more in-depth than they did once upon a time. And there's all there's like Sim... Ro- I, I used to play... Did you ever do Sims Roller Coaster? There was a roller coaster one where you build these oh, amuse- uh, yeah. and amusement parks. And, you know, you you would do things like uh, set the, um, the charge for entry and then set the charge for a hot dog. And, of course, if the cost was too high, it was a great lesson in straightforward economics. If you jacked the price up too much, then people would quit coming. If you had it too low, you wouldn't have enough revenue to keep the park going. So you had to find that, you know, that happy middle ground there. And, uh, and of course, because of the, the wokeness and the continued direction we go there, uh, I, and I found this article, um, Sarah, after you mentioned it, now they have like the top scars. Mm-hmm. This is for yeah. girls who are convinced that uh, they're, uh, the uncomfortable nature that they're experiencing with their bodies, it's because they're trapped in the wrong body, so they should permanently have uh, their their breast removed. And so now that can be represented in Sims. And there, there, are, are there other things, too, in there? Uh, they have binders now. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Bind- for for B- breasts. Yes. Binding, for those that don't know, this is where girls who, again – Development of breast, a lot of times it's, you know, you're just, they're not used to it. Some, some of you who are women may remember this, that uncomfortable nature. And so they convince them, well, it's because your true self is a boy, so you shouldn't have them. So they encourage them to bind them down uh, so that it prevents them from naturally growing and then it keeps them from showing. And it's oftentimes very, very painful, uh, according to those who have been convinced to do this. You know what it reminds this is you know what I think about hmm. this is how again women are being set so far back by the left in this country one of the cultural components to I think Japan the binding of feet with women that it was because women uh would oftentimes seek out smaller feet it was oh, just yes. considered to be uh, you know, an attractive trait. And so they were encouraged to bind their feet. And that was growing up. We would learn about that. You learn about the different cultures and how you know, the more enlightened, evolved humanity recognized that as being this horrific thing that you would, you would encourage women to alter their bodies uh, for the purposes of looking one way instead of another by binding their feet and i'm like and now here we're encouraging girls to bind their breasts is it really any different 
It's all for the purposes of looking one way instead of another. And that was something that growing up, when you would learn about, you thought, man, I, you know, I think how could that have been culturally acceptable? And now not only is it, it culturally acceptable here in the United States with people on the left, it's, incur- it's put into video games. Put into video games. This story caught my attention, and I'm going to pair it with another one because I believe this is the answer to stopping all of this insanity. Zachary Levi, he's an actor. He started in the movie Shazam. Did you watch that movie? It's several years old, Shazam. It's sort of a superhero, but a goofy superhero uh, character, and it did... I think it did really, really well. And I guess there's going to be a remake of it. So Zachary Levi, who's who's the star of the movie, he's been faking, uh, facing backlash on social media ever since he posted an anti-Pfizer tweet on January 29th, responding to a Twitter user who wrote, do you agree or not that Pfizer's a real danger to the world? Levi posted, hardcore agree. Many social media users have interpreted Levi's post as being anti-vaccine, given the actor and Warner Brothers a potential press tour obstacle as uh, Shazam! Fury of the Gods gears up for its March release date. And so, again, this is another fascinating twist of history that the left have become lapdogs of Big Pharma. Once upon a time, uh, questioning Big Pharma and criticizing Big Pharma was virtuous. But now if you call into question Big Pharma, you are, you know, I mean, they come after you. The left will destroy you. They, They are the agents of Big Pharma now. And so they're after him. Well, James Gunn, who is the new co-head of DC Studios, was, of course, asked to weigh in on this. Well, what do you think about uh, Zachary Levi uh, 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 commenting on this? The filmmaker, who's no stranger to Twitter backlash after Disney originally fired him from Guardians of the Galaxy due to controversial jokes he made on the platform years earlier, said, making business decisions and agreeing with someone are not mutually exclusive. He said, just real simply, actors and filmmakers that I work with are going to say things I agree with and things that I don't agree with. That's going to happen. I don't have a list of things that somebody should say because of what I think. And, you know, I can't be changing my plans all the time because an actor says something I don't agree with. Amen. By the way, that used to be the position of the left in this country. They used to demonize the blacklisting of people who did not believe a certain way or agree with a political party. That was demonized. That was always portrayed as this dark moment in our history when blacklisting occurred, yet now they are the ones who lead it. And so you've got, and and this is what happens. They, They demand that everyone prove themselves worthy of not being canceled. So here you have a tweet that is put out by an actor. Then you have the press demanding that someone associated with that actor reply to this. And this isn't to see what he really thinks. This is to make sure that he thinks the right thing. Understand that. Anytime any question is asked of a celebrity about vaccines or Donald Trump or LGBTQ issues or drag shows, it is not to find out what they really think. It is to make sure that they think the right thing. And the, the, the antidote to this lunacy and totalitarian position by the left is to just start dismissing it. It is to say, 
I don't have to answer for everybody else. I don't have to have an opinion on everyone. And even if I do, I don't have to share it with you. I don't have to base my life decisions on what other people think. This uh, it, Here's another example of it. I'm telling you, I think we look to these, these high-profile people to be the answer in eliminating this. I don't think it's necessarily, though he's relatively high-profile, but I think it's going to be the random acts of dismissiveness that make this go away. And here's a story, Daily Wire. Quote, you keep dragging players into this. Tennis star Victoria uh, Azarenka blasts reporters for asking political questions. The tennis star blasted reporters who kept asking her political questions about Russia following her match at the Australian Open. During the Belarusian player's recent press conference following her semifinal match, one reporter after another kept trying to get the tennis player to weigh in on pro-Russian demonstrators at the tournament by supporters. Uh, The tennis player said, I don't know what you guys want us to do about it. Like, talk about it. I don't know what the goal is here, but you're continually bringing it up. These incidents that, in my opinion, have nothing to do with players, but somehow you keep dragging players into it. So what's the goal here? I think you should ask yourself that question, not me. Yes. This is this is it. This is the formula. It isn't to take a side. It is to say my side doesn't matter. I don't need to weigh in on this. And her answer, I don't know, or her question rather, I think it's somewhat rhetorical, but I suspect she also does wonder what is the point. And as I illustrated before, the point is for the elites to make you take a stand and to make sure that you take the right stand, otherwise be canceled. These are witch trials on a public uh, in a war, on a world stage where everyone has to not only stand up and declare that they're not a witch but point out those who are and make sure that you let everyone in the world know that you're anti-witch. That's what they're doing. And until people like Gunn or this tennis player, whom I don't know because I don't follow tennis, but clearly she's somebody that is known worldwide, say, I, I don't have to take a stance on this. Quit dragging me into this. That's going to be the antidote to this. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. Hear about it. Hear about I, know, it. I know I'm beating a dead horse here. Talk about it. Talk about but it. the hypocrisy and the double standards kind of unreal. On Springfield's Talk 1041. You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. First alert forecast sponsored by Sinclair of the Ozarks Home Improvements. Partly sunny, 35 for a high. Slight chance of snow tonight, 24. Sunny, 44 tomorrow, 39 on Friday. Saturday warmer, sunny, 48, 56 on Sunday. 58 on Monday. How far can I go? I have Tuesday here, 52 with a chance of rain. Okay. So things are going to mild up just just a bit. Uh, Emily Johnson, House Theory Realty. I have to tell this story. I don't know. I, I had a dream about Emily and Will last oh, night. Oh, do tell. I had a dream that I was somewhere, I don't even know where it was. It was somewhere like Montana. It was, And I don't know why I was there. But Emily and Will were there performing as artists. She was singing, and he, she was a country music artist. And she he was playing guitar, and I ran into him. She decided, she's like, she was leaving real estate. And she was going to go sing. And I was talking to her in between sets. And I was just telling her, I cannot imagine leaving a place that I grew up in where all my friends and fa- and, and had a totally lucrative career 
was very good at it. I had two young kids that this was their home and then just picking up and deciding, well, I want to be a musician and having no background in that whatsoever. And then traipsing across the country to do it. And as I'm talking or just sort of talking to myself in the dream about I can't imagine that, she starts packing her stuff up and tells Will, we're going back home. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, well, I didn't mean to talk you out of it. I was just, you know, saying I can't imagine doing that. She goes, no, no, we're going back. We're going back to Springfield. Um, And I don't know why. I'm one of these people almost every single night I remember my dreams. I wake up and I remember they're very vivid. They seem like they go on for hours, though I know they're probably 7.8 seconds long. Now, was she a good singer? Do you remember? Um, yeah, it seemed like it. I uh, feel like she would be. She was she uh, she was singing sort of country western. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was the sort of uh, performance that you would see somebody on Yellowstone. You know, they highlight different artists. Yeah. There's one in the most recent season uh, where, and I don't know if the gal, if she's an actual country artist or not, but she has a reoccurring role and she pops up at the county fair and, and these other events singing. And it was in that line in terms of genre. Yeah, she was good. And, and Will, you know, was playing the music, her husband. And and uh, and then, boy, by the time I was done, just saying, I can't, <laughs> I just can't imagine doing this and listen to all the reasons. And, and she would start to pack it. She's like, Will, we're going back. <laughs> but uh, anyway... I don't know how she is. Maybe she is an incredible singer. But I do know when it comes to all of your buying and selling needs, real estate, she is incredible. And you can't go wrong with Emily Johnson, House Theory Realty. Nikki Haley, former South Carolina governor, who served as ambassador to the United Nations during former President Donald Trump's administration, will join Trump in the race. Not as a running mate, but she's she's saying she's going to run for president 2024. She's going for the Republican presidential nomination. Multiple sources confirmed to Fox News Digital that Haley will formally declare her candidacy for the White House in an event in Charleston, South Carolina, February 15th, with an invitation soon going out to her supporters. News of Haley's announcement was first reported by The Post and Courier newspaper in South Carolina. Political pundits have long viewed Haley as a potential GOP potential contender. As she crisscrossed the country the past two years uh, through her political group Stand for America, helping fellow Republicans running in the 2022 election, Haley's travels brought her numerous times to Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, which hold the first, second, and fourth contest in the Republican presidential nominating calendar. Home state of South Carolina votes third in the GOP primary schedule, which certainly would help her. Uh, Now, when... Trump responds to this. It's going to be interesting to see what that response is. Trump, I believe, has been miscalculating his response to certain events over the past year and certain issues. Uh, Attacking the, maybe that's too harsh of a word, criticizing the pro-life movement as being too adamant in their pro-life stance and and blaming them partially for the midterm losses it's just like why that (laughs) what what are you doing nothing about that makes sense um he talks I, i think it's DeSantis he labels as being disloyal uh he he's presenting himself 
in my assessment, as the heir apparent to getting the nomination. And anyone who runs against him is disloyal to him. I don't think that's going to resonate with people. It doesn't resonate with me. And the reason is, and I'll tell you, is that is the sort of expectation that I have been spoon-fed from the Republican establishment. That there is a certain person you are supposed to support if you're loyal to the party, you will support this person. We heard it with Romney. We heard it with McCain. We, you know, and and I don't want, as somebody who supported Trump, who voted for Trump, who recognize the massive benefits that we as a country were delivered because of Trump, I don't want Trump telling me that. I need to or other people need to support him because of loyalty purposes. I that I don't need that. I don't that is irrelevant in this cause to me. Sell your case. I don't like being told that the reason I should support someone is because of loyalty or the reason I shouldn't support someone is because of loyalty to someone else. I want them to say because I'm the best person for the job and here's why. Because that's what I'm looking for. And what is the, the reason that, to me, it's an unnecessary error for Trump to go that route is because no one has a resume of success like Donald Trump does when it comes to running for president. No one, no one can touch him when it comes to the successes and the promises kept. That doesn't mean he was perfect. And it doesn't mean that there were certain areas that he said he'd do one thing and, it, you know, the deficit being one of those, the budget. And while one can argue that there were unforeseen circumstances and so forth, I don't believe it's not like Trump was on a path to balancing the budget until COVID occurred or until this occurred. I don't think that that would have happened. But, you know, that being said, in terms of record and the percentage of accomplishments and promises kept, no one can hold a ch- candle to Trump. If there's ever been a candidate that can run on his record, it's Trump. And so to be throwing out the loyalty card is a massive turnoff to me. I- I've just heard that my entire adult voting life from the Republican Party. They may not have used that word, but that's the message they've sent. I, I-, I don't know what he's going to say regarding Nikki Haley running against him. Is he going to also start targeting her and criticizing her? Um, you know, she was his pick to be the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations. Some would argue you should not criticize people as unfit for a leadership position if you have put them in leadership of positions. But Trump is somewhat unconventional in that way. So it, it would not surprise me. I'm Pollyanna-ish in this way. Here's what I would like to see in this entire process. And if I were advising Trump, this is genuinely what I would say to him. Welcome the competition. And say you welcome it because you really do believe at this point in time, you are the best person for the job. And you're going to make sure that people know that. And while Nikki Haley has done absolutely tremendous things, and Rhonda Santez continues to do tremendously wonderful things in Florida, and continues to make Florida an example of what this entire country can look like with that sort of leadership, their time will come. 
But right now, I got another four years that I can serve the American people. I've demonstrated through results that this country has benefited for it. And for those reasons, I don't think that those four – use me for those four years. And I'm going to go state to state, and I'm going to remind people of that resume and those results. That's what I want to see happen. I understand, you know, and who am I to say, and I'm just one guy, and I know a lot of people may disagree with me on that, but but that is the approach I want to see. And in, Trump is a results-oriented person. Given that, if I were advising Trump, I would say, which approach do you think is going to result in more support amongst Republican voters. If I'm somebody that's open to a Ron DeSantis running, open to a Nikki Haley running, maybe not sold on them, but want to hear more, Trump taking that position is going to not turn me off to Trump and, in fact, arguably make him respect him even more, make me respect him even more. But coming out and and just trashing on these people as if you are the only one that is the way forward and everyone else isn't only subpar but but somehow bad for this country, that to me is kind of a turnoff. You know, I, I think that you lose more people than you gain taking that approach. But again, that's just my assessment. So Nikki Haley's expected to make this announcement. She has done things in the past I didn't care for. I feel like she bent to the woke mob uh, when she was governor of South Carolina and having statues that the uh, extreme left demanded be torn down in order to erase our history and Taliban type approach. And and so she had them taken down and put elsewhere. I, you know, I did not think that that was a demonstration of leadership. And I fear anyone in position who will allow themselves to bend to the will of a very loud, extreme minority. But that being said, not everyone is perfect. And we got time to have her sell her case to the American people, specifically, at least in the lead up to that, Republican voters. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. A new bombshell FBI searched the Penn Biden Center back in November. The White House attempted to cover that up to the public. Uh, Biden's stealing of classified documents, the presidential scandal, it will not go away. Despite the White House's best efforts to cover up what happened, news continues to leak out drip by drip. Latest revelation is considered a bombshell. According to CBS News, the FBI conducted a previously undisclosed search of the Penn-Biden Center back in November. That would be the office where Biden's classified documents problem started to begin with. No one at the White House or the Department of Justice bothered to mention that until the following leak. From CBS, the FBI searched the Penn-Biden Center offices in mid-November, according to two sources familiar with the investigation, after lawyers for President Biden had found about 10 documents marked classified on November 2nd. The material originated from Biden's time as vice president. It is not clear whether FBI personnel found any additional classified or presidential material during the mid-November sweep. This marks the second time that we know of that the White House purposely misled 
the American public about the severity of the situation. Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre told the press corps January 12th that the searches of Biden's properties had been completed. Yet two days later, five more documents were revealed to have been found. Eventually, the FBI would search Biden's Delaware home as well, finding even more documents, while the administration once again bragged about its supposed cooperation and transparency. Oh, yes, the drip, 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 drip. If there is one consistency in the left, it is the hypocrisy. The do as I say, not as I do. Bernie Sanders is holding an anti-capitalist event. And he is going to charge up to $100 on Ticketmaster for you to attend. (laughs) Admission for the socialist senator from Vermont it is uh, an anti-capitalist event and is going to cost up to 100 on the much maligned Ticketmaster. The event titled It's Okay to Be Angry About Capitalism seems anything but angry with capitalism considering that it not only charges $95 plus fees for a front row seat but also utilizes Ticketmaster, which the Justice Department has investigated for possible antitrust violations. Per Ticketmaster, for the Bernie Sanders anti-capitalist event, Tickets priced at 95, 75 and 55 include a copy of It's Okay to Be Angry About Capitalism. Ticket well that just doesn't does that not reek of classism? Some tickets 55, some 75, some 95. In other words, the more you pay, the better seating you get. Isn't that the opposite of equity? These people are such virtue-signaling, hypocritical pieces of crap. And Bernie here's what kills me about Bernie Sanders supporters. They're like, well, the thing I like about Bernie Sanders is that he's just really genuine and honest. Oh, quit it. Are you that naive? Really? It's... I don't know if it's because he plays the the sort of bumbly old man that, you know, like, well, look at him. He's harmless. He could never be dishonest and conniving that makes people think he's genuine. For a person that that what the railing on capitalism is because, well, wealthy people get benefits that the unwealthy don't get. And what's he going to do? Charge more for people to have better seating. So the people who can't afford to pay the high ticket price to see Bernie Sanders, well, they'll be relegated back to the back. Their seats won't be as good. This is everything that he claims he's against. Tickets will be available for purchase to the general public February 3rd. Details of uh, the event have not yet been announced. And it's unknown at this point if Bernie Sanders had a hand in ticket pricing or if he chose Ticketmaster at the vendor. Oh, so what's he going to do? Like all the evil capitalists out there? Wash his hands of it and claim that it wasn't his fault? I And this is the crazy thing. Every one of these tickets is going to be purchased by somebody who believes he's genuine. Someone who believes that we should have total equity and that we shouldn't have a marketplace in which people who have more money and more means are able to purchase better access are going to be the first ones in line to do exactly that.
what total empty, vapid, vacuous people they are. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. All our building company, all of your brand new home building needs. You want a new home. You don't want to do any remodeling, maybe uh, expecting you need an additional bedroom or you're downsizing. The kids have moved out. So you want a new home, but you don't want to. I notice this as people get older oftentimes. They don't want to hassle with the things like remodeling and so forth. Then all our building company, they are the folks for you. They build the home. It's clean slate. You go to the showroom floor and you pick out all the things that make the house a home. And then they take care of it for you. So there's no remodeling the first day you Turn the key in the door. I don't know. Maybe they don't even use keys anymore. It's uh, whatever. Uh, eye retina scan. Whatever it may be. And you walk across that threshold. The house is the way you want it. That's Aller Building Company. O-L-L-E-R. I don't know how many of you uh, are uh, recipients of energy from Liberty. This I, I am. Uh, they provide electricity to my home. And because of the way things are, are set up for a lot of us, um, when it comes to your standard delivery of electricity, you don't really have much choice. You, you got what you got. A lot of people have city utilities. I got Liberty. And I got this email, and it is shocking to me how disconnected some of these companies are and what bubbles they seem to live in compared to so many of their customers, particularly certain parts of the country. And I, I got this email, and it is here's part of what it reads. Planning for the future. This is a big bragging point in the email that they sent out at Liberty. We're working hard to better the lives of those we serve. Our annual Environmental, Social, and Governance Report, ESG, provides an overview of our sustainability efforts and how we're working to give back to our communities, customers, and environment. This report will give you insight into Liberty's vision for creating a positive impact on the environment and society and the steps we've taken to make that vision a reality. And then what, you know, they, well, what is ESG? And it talks about how it is going to allow them to assess their effort to be a force for good for the environment, the society, and the way that they do business. You know what my thought is? What you can do in order to be a contributor to society, push for energy to be as reliable and cheap as possible. Why don't you focus on that? Glenn Beck's next. I'm Nick Reed.